All right, here we go. Check, 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 check. JR Show Podcast. I'm JR. Um, Lex, for this one, could I uh, actually have the room clear? Oh, yeah, sure. I'll be done when I'm done. See you on the other side. No edits. I just want to roll tape and tell this story. Yeah. See you. Let's get into this. I have been, I guess, waiting to tell this story for 40 years, in a sense. Um, a lot of people ask me, hey, how'd you get into radio? And the story actually is deeper than just how I ended up behind a microphone. Um, I grew up uh, my whole life uh, just outside of Seattle, Washington, um, I guess an hour west of Seattle, but two hours to the ocean. So kind of in that area there um, called Bremerton, Port Orchard, and uh, grew up in Assemblies of God Church. And so I was in church my entire life, like when kids had sleepovers, friends had sleepovers, and I, you know, we went camping. My parents were there to pick me up in the woods saying, hey, it's Sunday morning. We got to get to church. Um all that to say, I developed a passion for God when I was a little boy. I knew the presence of God. I knew his spirit at the age of four or five and never questioned anything, enjoyed this love, just as the songs, Jesus loves me, this I know. I knew that song to heart deep in my soul that the father loved me and adored me. And at some point in those early years, we had a lot of missionaries that would come by the church. And uh, one of them, I still remember her face, don't remember her name, uh, but she had just gone to Ireland and was telling of her exploits in Ireland. And in that moment, my heart stirred for the Republic and I started doing research projects and listening to Celtic, you know, Irish music and watching any movie that showed the Republic of Ireland at all, the green grass and the stone rock walls when tom cruise's um, movie with nicole kim and far and away came out i ate it up as if it was uh you know instructional gear god was giving me to to get ready for one day going to ireland and saving the people from this war of protestants and and catholics and i was going to be the one to bring them together to worship god no matter what church they attended and uh just a young boy i still remember going to a county fair and my dad you know at some little booth bought me this little um I saw the Ireland crest on a, you know, like a patch you, you sew onto a shirt. And I begged him, like, can I have this, Father? And he bought it for me, and I kept it in my wallet my whole childhood. And then fast forward 10 years, um, I'm about 16 years old, going into my junior year of high school. Um, and my life had pretty much been all about sports, 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 ate it, breathed it. And then one day we're playing a, a pickup game in the rain. It was Seattle area, so it was always raining. And so summertime, a bunch of guys out just playing tackle football on this high school field. And this big dude that was in the Marines came and tackled me and bent. So I dropped to my knees, and he bent down, so I went backwards. But my knees stayed in the same place, and both my knees, everybody around heard them both go pop. And um, all athletics ended for me in that moment. And um, I, I don't know much about how God orchestrates things. I know that in the end, God's plan is ultimately his plan. Um, but that 
loss of athletics led me to the next year running into a group of guys, um, uh, two brothers, da- uh, Darren Larson, who's now a pastor in Seattle, Jonathan Stone, who's now a pastor in the Bremerton area, um, my buddy Josh Powell, uh, Russ Holman, these guys uh, all of a sudden became, they were the Christians in our school, 2,000, 2,500 people at South Kitsap High School. And there was a small group of Christians, and they met in this group called YWAM, or Youth of the Mission, run by Ron Bamey. Um, and so I spent the next two years with all these guys. My buddy Tim Sauer, who now works at a steel plant out in the middle of Florida. Uh, my buddy Jason Wade, who was uh, with us at that time. He ended up leaving us to start a band called Lifehouse and write Grammy award-winning songs, Hanging by a Moment, and You and Me, and he's in the Shrek movie, and... Uh, so we were all this little little group of buddies that were involved in this missions group, YWAM. And all of a sudden, one of them had a book of places where you could find YWAM bases, youth of the mission bases around the world. And I'm like, are you, wait, do they have a base in Ireland? Boom, boom, boom. Went to the I section and found this base in Dublin, Ireland. And all of a sudden, everything made sense. This passion that that God put in my heart as a little boy. And all of a sudden, I was like, this is where I'm going. It took me blowing out my knee to meet these guys. And now I'm staring at this address, a mailing address of a YWAM base in Dublin, Ireland. And it's before the internet. So I started writing them letters and letters. And I'm like, I would love to attend this Bible school that you guys have coming up. Um, and uh, it's been my dream to go to Ireland. And, and all of a sudden they accepted me. And I started raising support and, uh, you know, got my funding and, and then all of a sudden, I graduated high school. Uh, I had one last trip with the gang in Ireland, and we went to China together, me and 2,323 people, um, just went going into areas of China that had never seen Westerners. And uh, there are that's for another podcast, um, things I saw in China that would blow people's minds, um, miracles, crazy, crazy things that we don't have time for because I want to stick to the how do you gotten radio part. So after that China trip, it was six months to work at Little Caesars to save the money to go to Ireland. And my dream would come true. Um, I still remember my backyard. We had this rock pile of rocks that uh, somebody dumped in our backyard that they gravel they weren't using. And we never used it. So it just stayed almost like a pulpit overlooking these grass fields, green grass fields. And I used to go stand on the top of this rock wall and preach to the Irish people at night. There was nobody in the field. It was just me declaring that God is good and God loves them. And it doesn't matter if you're Protestant or Catholic. It's just God has a salvation plan for you. And we need to come, you know, I'm preaching over this grass field, standing on top of this pile of rocks. And then the day came and uh, midnight flight. All my friends met me at the SeaTac airport and I was on the plane. And uh, up until this point, I'd only traveled to Hong Kong and Disneyland in LA. I mean, two plane rides my whole life. And now I'm flying overseas to Ireland. And I'll just skip to the moment where a guy studying, the guy that was my age named Podrick studying for the priesthood, I think at the time, or at least was thinking about it. He picks me up like the most Irish guy you could ever imagine. Um, picks me up at the airport and takes me back to this place that was half con. I mean, it was a convent, the YWAM base. And, uh, the nuns stayed on their half and they leased out or rented out the other half of the convent to us. And I was there. Uh, jet lag was kicking in and he's like, you may want to go. I went up four flights of stairs to the top of this very old convent, crashed in a bed, 
And I remember crying myself to sleep because I'd never felt homesickness before in my life. And I was in this far remote part of the world in a dark room in a convent, completely alone. And it was the worst homesickness I'd ever felt in my life. But I went to sleep and I woke up. I don't even know what time it was, but I went down four flights of stairs like I'm here. I'm in Ireland. I'm, I got sleep. Went downstairs, opened this door to this kitchen, and there were people from every nation it felt like in the world at this table, German and Nigeria and Irish and English and Scottish, all just sitting there eating toast uh, that the YY base got for free. Um, the next six months were just very difficult, difficult moments. It was a Bible school where you were just uh, different speakers every week, and uh, I was not handling it well. I was so homesick. Um, the talks were real deep and introspective and breaking down different parts of God and his, you know, this is the Holy Spirit side. This is the Father heart of God. This is the Jesus side of God. This, all these different guest speakers. And I was confused. I was just broken trying to find myself. This was, I mean, I'm hanging out with Catholics. I'm hanging out with Baptists. I'm hanging out with, you know, people that were more, um, what's it called, um, even uh, Pentecostal, like all these different ranges. So your brain is like, what is going on? In the end, I struggled a lot with legalism, Um, the kind of legalism where if, you know, if I say a curse word and then get hit by a bus and don't have time to repent as I'm falling to the ground, bloody and about to die, if I don't repent, you're not going to spend eternity in heaven. That kind of legalism. And, it's just so amazing that ever since I was a little kid, I always wanted to go to Ireland to save the people. And there I am in Ireland, and I could not have been more miserable, lonely, lost, like couldn't find the voice of God. And because I dealt with legalism, when the six months ended, they're like, well, you can go back home now, or you can stay on for another year and a half and be a part of a drama team that goes into schools all over Ireland. And I'm like, well, the easy route would to be go, you know, go back home. So you know, I'm going to stay because I don't want to feel guilty for leaving. Like a lot of unhealthy mindsets going on. So I stayed on with this group and uh, me and three ladies were in this group. We called ourselves the Barnabas team. And we would go uh, for a year and a half. We would go into schools all over Ireland, all boys schools, all girls schools. And, you know, we would give these short little talks. Um, They had to have one religious day a year of, uh, you know, um, they used to have priests and nuns come in, but because of the age difference, the kids didn't relate with them. So they had us come in. So there I am, a 17-year-old boy from Seattle talking to a bunch of 17-year-old lads in Ireland. You know, a lot of them don't have fathers, alcohol abuse, like broken guys. And here's this 19-year-old kid talking to them about the father heart of God. It was not an easy job. Um, And uh, somewhere in there, I just thought, God, You have thrown me into a wilderness, a desert, and dropped me off and forced me to find my way back home, like really angry at God. Yet, I wanted to come here my whole life, but here I am angry at God that he would do this to me, throw me into the wilderness and not give me a ride home. We couldn't afford a ride, you know, we couldn't afford a plane ticket even if I wanted to go back. So there we are at the end of the two-year stint. I'm mad at God. And of course, because of legalism, I'm like, uh, what do I do? You know, do I stay longer? Because if something, if it's from God, it's hard. 
God will hold your head underwater, and right before you drown, he will pull your head up and say, okay, you ready to work for me now? And that was my mentality. And so one day, I, I, we were listening to this guy in Northern Ireland talk, and I heard this one little whisper in my head saying, you can go there, you can do this. And I was like, what was that? No, God, I'm not staying any longer in this country. I'm not going to Northern Ireland. I don't care what my brain just heard. Was that you? Was it just something I ate? But to stay on more after I've been miserable, you've got to be kidding me. And I wrestled for months and months on the phone late at night with my mom, just weeping, going, how could God make me stay longer? Please let me. I just want to do something I love, something I was born to do. And at this time, uh, in my heart started to stir. I, I really was a, I grew up on Seattle Mariners baseball and their announcer, Dave Niehaus, who has now passed away. But he was my he was like my hero growing up. He had this call, swung on and belted. It's my, oh my. And he just, I would come to tears listening to his broadcast of Seattle Mariners games. And I'm like, you know, I would love to do this. I've always wanted to do this, but it was like a pipe dream. Before I went to Ireland, I would go in the crowd at minor league baseball games with a recorder and I would record me broadcasting the games. And I had this heart that I wanted to be a chaplain for a baseball team and travel with the baseball team and and sort of be like the pastor for the baseball team, and broadcasting was going to be the way to get that. But then I dropped the idea when I went to Ireland, and somewhere in the misery of trying to question whether I should stay longer in Ireland, I didn't want to. It was more like, I am Jonah. If I go home, if I go back to Washington and leave Ireland, I am Jonah, and I'll never be able to run from it. God will always try to bring me back to Nineveh, a.k.a. Ireland. And But I, I'm like, God, please, just I've had enough. I want to go back and do broadcasting, you know, play-by-play play for the Mariners and take over for Dave Niehaus one day when he passes away or retires. And I was a month away from having to give my decision to stay longer in Ireland or to come back and pursue a career in baseball broadcasting. But I really didn't feel, I didn't feel like God would give me this gift because that's, that's just, you know, that's too easy. And we were having this time of prayer a month before I was about to go back. The whole team knew I was in misery with this wrestling. And one of the girls was praying over me. And she said, I just feel like you're pl- you're going to be, the Lord showed me this field. And you are playing music in front of this whole crowd, thousands and millions of people. And I was like, yeah, that's that's cute. I don't play guitar and I sure don't sing. So that's, you know, you're you're crazy. You know, she was from Portland, so I'm like, you know, Portland people were like, oh, man, they're, you know, (laughs) she's definitely Portland. She's saying that, me singing in front of millions of people. And so I'm like, I got to make a decision in a month. Go be Jonah, go back home, or stay here and be miserable. And so we took a weekend off, me and these uh, two ladies and my buddy Podrick, who first picked me up two years earlier at the airport, we're in his hometown in Cork, and we walk into this flea market, books and trinkets. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at this shelf, and on the other side of the shelf, I hear American accents. And being homesick, I was like, oh my gosh, that's an American accent. And I swoop around to the other side of the bookshelf, and there's this couple, probably in their 60s. And I said, are you guys from America? And they're like, yeah, we're here on vacation. What are you doing here? And I told them kind of a brief synopsis. And they're like, uh, well, how long are you staying? And I'm like, well, I'd love to go home. You know, I'm kind of like taking a shot at God right there passive aggressively. Well, I'd love to go home, but I don't know if it's going to happen. 
I said, I'm from the Seattle area and, uh, you know, I'd love to go take over for Dave Niehaus one day and uh, broadcast for the Mariners, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. And they're like, we're from Seattle and Dave Niehaus is a personal friend of ours. And I sat in front of this couple. They, they're in a group that travels with Dave Niehaus and the whole Mariner broadcast crew down to spring training in Arizona every year. They become friends. And I sat in front of this couple and I wept in this flea market in Cork, Ireland. And just tears dripping off my face. And they must have thought I was crazy. Like, what did we say? And, and uh, for me, it was the first time that God intervened in my situation to say, I am not a God that wants to destroy you. I am a God that wants to give you good things. And it all happened in that flea market with one random chance meeting. And so from there, I'm like, that is my ticket home. I'm going home to pursue broadcasting. They gave me a name of a guy with the Mariners that'll set up a meeting with me and Dave Niehaus. I go to the kingdom and, uh, and um, here's my time. You know, the game ends. Dave Niehaus comes out with the two other broadcasters that I knew and loved. And I was like, hello, sir. I met your friend, blah, 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 in Ireland in a, in a flea market. And they gave me your, you know, contact so I could meet you. Could you please send me on a path to get into baseball broadcasting? And, and, and he wouldn't talk to me. He just sat there and wouldn't say a word to me. And I'm like, wait, we met at this flea market. This was supposed to be God. This was, this was all orchestrated by God for me to be here in front of Dave Niehaus. And he's not speaking to me. Won't even say a word to me. And so I kept pushing and pushing and asking one of the other broadcasters, can you please send me on a path to broadcasting? And I kept chasing them down and they just kept ignoring me. And we get to this elevator, we get on the elevator and they're still not talking to me on the elevator. And then the elevator breaks and won't go down. So they're forced to talk to me. So one of the guys gives me this plan to go do like minor league. He's like, yeah, keep recording games, but you may want to go to Washington state university over in Pullman to, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to, you know, go to college for radio. And so there I went over in Washington state university in Pullman. And on the way home from signing up for classes, I just was like, this isn't for me. Um, and in the end I ended up going to some community college and the dream just started dying out and switched to another community college. And there I was in Bremerton, Washington, Olympic College in a history class, you know, far cry from doing play by play, far cry from doing anything radio. And I'm um, sitting next to this girl and I think she had a, a crush on me. Like I could tell she was pushing pretty hard. And uh, she's like, what are you doing in here? And I was pretty miserable. I was like, ah, I'm just trying to get my AA so I can, I don't know, go to you know, broadcast school or something. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I work at kiss one Oh six one in Seattle, you know, which was an hour away. It was the station I listened to all my friends listened to. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, all of a sudden it's like the dream parked up and I came alive again. And I remembered why I was sitting there in that class. There was the dream, the dream that I'd sort of let fizzle away because things didn't go my way. The answers didn't come how I wanted them to come. And I'm in a history class with a girl that has a crush on me that happens to be an intern at KISS 1061. She's like, hey, you can come with me. I go two days a week and I file CDs for the music director, Paul Anthony. And I'm like, I'm in. For her, she's like, I'm in. I'm on a date with this guy. Um, 
And so we travel over on ferry. It was an hour ferry ride. And then you get off the ferry right there in downtown Seattle and you walk 45 minutes up up into a skyscraper. And there I was in a radio station for the first time next to this girl. She introduces me to Paul Anthony, the music director and the night guy. And uh, we start talking. He puts me on this task of filing these CDs. I remember finding a Newsboys CD, Entertaining Angels single in his library. And I was like, this is a Christian band. And oh my gosh, what's it doing in here? Uh, you know, next to NSYNC and Backstreet Boys records. And so the guy, uh, Paul Anthony and I, you know, I told him quick story while I'm here. And she was a, the girl was a really shy, like a mouse. And, uh, and I was, you know, this spunky, I'd lived in foreign countries and, you know, spoke in front of all boys schools, all girls schools, put on drama. So I had a little more personality than her. That night, he fired her and took me on full-time five days a week to be his intern-slash-producer with the name Monkey Boy. And so for five days a week, I traveled three hours a day on my own dime to come be his right-hand man. And uh, in the end, I made a, a fake tape. Somebody helped me put together, uh, hey, it's Kiss 106.1, I'm blah, blah, blah. And so I was able to go across town and uh, to another station, and he put me on... Uh, you know, Saturday nights, midnight to 4 a.m., my first shift at Star 101.5 KPLZ. And it was actually around the uh, time of Y2K. And so the station I grew up listening to, KPLZ 101.5, everybody was so nervous the world was going to blow up when it turned to the year 2000 that they were like, who wants to be on the air at midnight when we turn to Y2K and this little... You know, the lowest man on the totem pole was like, I'll do it. And so, you know, what a blessing from God. The station I grew up listening to, I ended up being the first voice on the air in the 21st century on KPLZ Star 101.5. And then uh, just went to Montana, went, um, met a girl, and uh, we were going to get married. And then uh, I found this Christian station that was playing MXPX records. I was like, you got to be kidding. I, I wasn't a fan of Christian music at all. And the station plays MXPX. It was Air One back when Air One was a little more rocky. And uh, I sent in, I was like, hey, I work at Kiss in Seattle and uh, I'm a Christian, have been my whole life. And uh, I just, I would love to come be on a, a Christian station that plays, you know, rock records. And and they're like, uh, come down to Portland for an interview, blah, blah, blah. Got the job. Michael Tate, who I'm now friends with, uh, with DC Talk, was there for a fundraiser they were doing. And so met Michael Tate. He gave They gave me the job to take over the night show on Air One, just spot on. And I'm like, oh, I forgot. I'm getting married. Can I move down here to Portland after my honeymoon? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so we got married in Port Orchard and um, with everything we owned, which was a tiny little U-Haul truck, moved down to Portland um, for my uh, first radio job in Christian radio. And um, and then they surprised me on day one by saying, hey, by the way, we're uh, going to spend the next two months sending you down to Sacramento to move in with Caleb. So you got to go house hunt with your new wife. And uh, uh, so there I was at Caleb in Sacramento. My wife just told me we were pregnant, so I got a baby on the way, just left everybody I know um, except my wife, and um, had mo- now lived in three states within the first three months of marriage, um, and then started working at Air One in the K-Love building, and was just, it was not the radio I grew up on. It was not Kiss, it was not Star, it was just, I was alone in a huge building, 
Um, and I'm like, I got to get out of here. And so moved to Boise to take over a, a morning show in Idaho. And uh, uh, just with my buddy, Big Boy or Chunky, or uh, we m- broke records in Idaho radio. And uh, uh, and then it all came crashing down. And that's when I heard from a, um, a Christian station in Nashville that had all artists on all the time, like T- TMs, you know, it was like this all artist show. And I'm like, I'll do it. And, uh, but, uh, the station in Idaho is like, no, we're going to sue you for breaking contract and trying to leave us. Sorry, I'm going to take a sip of coffee. And like, you gotta be kidding. I finally get to go to this nationally syndicated show, uh, with artists, you know, uh, Toby Mac come by all this stuff and they're not going to let me go. So for two months I had to go on the air with them denying me a chance to go get this job. And uh, we're just praying and praying. The Christian station in Boise, Jerry Woods, was the morning show host. And he was, like, checking in on me one day because he knew I was a Christian that was on this non-Christian station. And he was like, hey, man, what's the deal? I'm like, well, they're not letting me out of my contract. And so I don't know. I got this gig in Nashville at Way FM, and they're not letting me go. He's like, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. It was like, what about your house? And I'm like, we can't sell the house either. And he's like, well, me and my wife have been looking out in that area. Let me come take a look. Jerry Woods, the morning show host from the Christian station in Boise, Idaho, buys my house. And then the next day, randomly, the the, the people at Citadel were like, hey, we're going to let you out of your contract. Uh, the station at Way FM in Nashville uh isn't giving us any money so just leave your keys and get out of idaho by the time the sun goes down so like an old west movie i had a u-haul and i was on my way to nashville to take over this show me and my buddy shimmy we uh spent three years just uh it was an award-winning show that went from 25 stations to 300 affiliates around the country and made friends with all these artists and and just did some amazing things and then um that you know uh, bosses and consultants wanted a say in it. And it was like, this is not what I signed up for. Um, and then all of a sudden got a call from, from Carmen, uh, who I'd never heard of, never heard of the station down in Sarasota. And they're like, Hey, we got an afternoon opening here in the Sarasota area. And, uh, and I was like, it just, I'd never heard of them. Uh, I wanted to go back into mainstream radio because that's what made sense to me. And, uh, but this felt right. And next thing you know, I'm New Year's Eve. I'm in Sarasota, Florida on a boat with Bill Martin and Dan Brody. And it's my interview on New Year's Eve. And it was hot. And, uh, and I caught a shark. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. And it just felt right. And uh, so we moved, moved down to, to Sarasota. And it's now been over 13 years. And there's a lot of, the amount of ministry that I never was a guy that wanted to do ministry on the radio. I wanted to entertain. That's the way my bosses in Seattle set me up is if your ratings are bad, if you're not entertaining, you are, you're going to get fired, you know, the real hardcore radio. And then at some point over the past few years, everything started making sense. The world got darker. Here I am on a station that's now on in Orlando, Jacksonville, Tampa, uh, uh, Atlanta, all over the Southeast, and now online with apps. And and all of a sudden, things started making sense to me that God was going to use everything. Ireland experience, miracles that happened in China, miracles that happened in, in Ireland, all the brokenness started making sense. Addiction got thrown into the mix. 
And all of a sudden, all this brokenness puts me at this place right now where even though my personal life can be bloody and messy, I'm finally at a place where God is using all the brokenness, all the miracles are now boiling to the surface so that, like that woman from Portland (laughs) prophesied, one day you are going to be playing music in front of millions, a sea of people. And it dawned on me one day that that woman from Portland was not maybe crazy, that it just wasn't me playing guitar and singing. It was me in front of millions of people, leading people, playing music. And here I am with over a million weekly listeners on the Joy FM, God using all these broken pieces. I never intended to be in radio. I just wanted to do baseball play-by-play. But I learned along the way that if God told you the real intention, you never would have chased it. So God will put something over here, something over here, something over here, and you'll follow, 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 and then you'll see his real purpose was, was right over here, but he couldn't tell you that back there. And so it's every time I step in front of this microphone... I challenge myself that it took God a lot of work, a lot of pieces, a lot of brokenness to get me in front of this microphone this day. And it all started from dreaming of green fields of Ireland and now to be on a, on a playing worship songs in a very jacked up world, talking to people about the Father heart of God, just like I did when, when I was in front of those lads in, in Ireland. Now here I am talking 20 years later, about the goodness of God in front of a sea of people. And you never know. You just never know. All God desires is a heart that is willing to please him and follow him. It doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean you're not going to have marriage problems and trauma is not going to hit your life or addiction is going to come in. But a heart that wants to honor God, God will take that heart and he will take you to places you never dreamed. And he might not do it how you think he's going to do it. But you keep following. You keep listening and keep your heart open and your hands open. And let the goal be, God, let your kingdom be more important than my empire. And there's more stories and more miracles that happen that I just... I. Don't even have time for right there. But when people come and ask me, "Hey, how did you get into radio?" It's like, "All right, what version of this story do I tell? Do you want the miracles? Do you want just the general summary?" Um, but this is sort of the first time that I've ever sat and laid it out like this because it's uh, it's actually pretty emotional for me because these were real events, real things that were rocking me in the moment. But then you don't think of them for twenty years until you sit down and just. You lay it all out, and this is what God did from a little boy to a flea market in Ireland to just um, battles and, and, and adventures and, and difficulties. Um, and then here I sit to this day in front of this microphone, grateful that God would use a broken kid from Port Orchard, Washington, for his kingdom and his purposes. And it's, it's humbling. So thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe on the JR Show podcast. Um, for the next chat, it won't be like this. It'll be back to probably uh, interviewing artists. But when you hit subscribe, you'll be alerted when new content comes out. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Give it a, a, a nice review if you like. And I'll be back with you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Peace.